We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the week 16 edition of the Pro Football Focus. That's the PFF Focus uh, show here at Rotor Grinders. I'm Dean, Dean Seven Nine Zero Four. If you want to get all technical on me, that's correct. Uh, do not adjust your internet televisions. Uh, Britt, life came up, so I'm filling in for him here at the last second. Called to the bullpen. I'm joined by my two uh, best friends, at least for the next hour: Scott Barrett, Tyler Buker. Scott, how's uh, Thursday night treating you? No Thursday night game. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Uh, really allows me to just focus on my. Uh, big roto grinders article that's coming out tomorrow make sure you guys check that out but uh, i'm enjoying it tyler how about yourself how's thursday treating you it's uh, an interesting mix-up um if we i was very close to going to the uh, 76ers game because there was no thursday night football but uh instead we're here doing pff podcast here with roto grinders um pretty excited to dive into the slate it's week 16 man we're chugging along in the season so you're like the like the fan version of Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid earlier today was questionable. He was upgraded to probable, and he was just scratched. Now he's out. So yep, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, Embiid put a triple over guy, overtime game a couple days ago, and he's still recovering, and he's got a back issue. But you people didn't come here for that. As far as basketball news, of course, we want to talk about football. Uh, let's. I guess we have to. Like we can't just pretend it's not happening, Scott. But just kind of an overview, I think, on this gross, gross, gross two game slate on Saturday night. It's the appetizer slate. It's a really bad – this is not like a blooming onion. This is like the fried zucchini or something. I don't know what a bad appetizer is. But, uh, yeah, Minnesota, Green Bay, Indianapolis versus Baltimore. Scott, like, there's a, there's some huge contests out there. People love them, some two-game slates. Uh, how are we attacking this? Uh, right. So I played a bunch of Thursday night, Saturday. Uh, had 100% Devonta Freeman, which was nice. 100% O.J. Howard, which was uh, pretty okay at his salary. Um, but 
and I loaded up on uh, in what I thought would be a shootout against uh, Aaron Rodgers with him out now that game gets a lot less attractive uh, I still Adam Thielen's my number two wide receiver on the week uh, so I'm expecting big things from him but it's also just a difficult week in general for receivers uh, fine with a Keenum digs the uh, Thielen dub stack um, but uh, really on the other hand it's just like very little to like Alex Collins. Of course, he just started seeing a uh, majority of the goal line work, which was always a concern for him, but the carries and targets are there though, as a percentage of team running back volume, it's not great, but uh, just raw counting stats. Those are good. And he's been efficient all year. Ravens defense, obviously feel like that's the chalk and T Y Hilton on paper. It's a really tough matchup against the Ravens, but Jimmy Smith uh, is out and uh, he's one of our top 15 graded cornerbacks. He really struggled without him, uh, especially deep, which is where T.Y. Hilton excels. Uh, I also have a model that looks at where a receiver is most frequently targeted versus where a, an opposing defense is most susceptible. And T.Y. Hilton was one of my top three or top five wide receivers of the week, just looking at that model. So uh, I'm actually optimistic about him, and he's, he's pretty cheap. All right, Tyler, I know you want to talk about the Colts. It's really not a good slate when, like, the first thing that pops out to me is defenses. Yeah, like that, that, I'm very excited to play Baltimore and Minnesota, possibly. You know, it's, it's not it's not a great slate, but, hey, we're all playing with the same potential options. Uh, talk about the Colts for me. Uh, the Colts are a tough play. There's very few options on there. Uh, Scott made the case for T.Y. Hilton there. He's not somebody I'd like to play. I'd much rather take a shot with someone like Mike Wallace, who's seeing significant amount of targets over the last couple of weeks and – I think it has just as big of a ceiling. Um, I guess the only real Colts play worth mentioning is Jack Doyle. Uh, he's the most expensive. Oh, I'm sorry, Kyle Rudolph's 5,100. Uh, Jack Doyle just has probably the safest floor, probably the safest median projection uh, heading into the week. But man, this is a game where I think we should just do a ton of Baltimore and a ton of Vikings uh, onslaughts. Yeah, uh, it's it's not going to be a fun slate. But hey, if I'm around Saturday, I'm probably going to fire at it because what else? You can't just like watch the games and not have any action as far as DFS. But let's let's dive into the main slate. Let, let, let's hit the encore up. Let's talk about, of course, do position by position. Every single position we have, each one of y'all have a stud, a value play, and a dud. Uh, Scott, fire away your stud. Uh, so I kind of stepped on Tyler's toes here. Uh, but just know that uh, we're both in agreement that Dak Prescott's probably the best quarterback play of the week. He's super cheap. Uh, Seattle's given up 72 points over the past two weeks. That's the most they've surrendered over any two-game stretch since 2010. Uh, they have injuries to Nazir Jones, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, Michael Bennett, of course, Richard Sherman as well. Um, Prescott's also getting Ezekiel Elliott back in the lineup, which should help. Prescott's averaged only 12.8 fantasy points per game in his absence. While Elliott was in the lineup, however, Prescott finished as a QB1 in nine of his previous 10 games, uh, and I believe top three in three of his last four. Uh, and he's just uh, too cheap. Uh, so I'm going to have heavy exposure to him this week. What do you think if uh, Tyron Smith doesn't go? He didn't practice today. We, we record this on a Thursday if you're watching this uh, later. But, uh, you know, the left tackle, obviously, you know, he's a big uh, asset to the offensive line. How much does that hit uh, Dak Prescott? Uh, yeah, I mean, that would definitely hurt. We saw uh, him have his worst game of the season with Tyron Smith out. Um, definitely would play a large role, though. Ezekiel Elliott coming back should uh, help negate some of that, of course. Value play? 
for me. Yeah, um, yeah, fire that, it off. That would be uh, Drew Stanton against the Giants. The Giants rank dead last in opposing passer rating. They went ranked second worst in fantasy points per dropback. They've surrendered the most plays of 30 or more yards through the air. Uh, Janoris Jenkins will not play. Landon Collins, uh, he is PFF's number eight graded safety this year. The Giants' top graded coverage defender. Uh, Stanton's minimum price on DraftKings. He hit at least 15 DraftKings fantasy points in his two starts this season. Uh, I just think he's a great value play, and I like pairing him up with Larry Fitzgerald in tournaments. We'll get to your dud in a second. Let's jump into Tyler. Uh, talk about your stud because I think uh, I, I feel like a bounce back game is coming this week. Yeah, I don't think you're alone there. And I'm really hoping recency bias uh, really affects DFS players this week after his week 15 clunker against the Rams. But the guy we're talking about is Russell Wilson. This is a game that could be a sneaky shootout, in my opinion, with both defenses struggling. Um, both teams are fighting for a wild card spot. They're coming in with matching eight and six records. So they both have a lot to play for. And I I think there's a high ceiling to pursue here in this game. Tons of great plays at every position here. The Cowboys have allowed the seventh most passing yards, fourth most passing touchdowns over the last four weeks. So they've been hit with injuries and poor play as of late. I think Russell Wilson has the tools to effectively take advantage of that. In fact, the Cowboys have allowed multiple passing touchdowns to 10 of the 14 quarterbacks they face this year. Wilson has scored 20-plus DK points in seven of his last nine matchups. And he's either thrown or run for 33 of the Seahawks' 34 touchdowns this year. Just an incredible stat there. He's pricey on both sides, yeah. But I think I'd rather take him on DK where he's just 14% of your budget compared to 15% on FanDuel. Who got that one touchdown? Do we know? Uh, I think it was J.D. McKissick. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like a little run. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. like a sweeper, so that sounds about right. And what, what did you make of uh, what did you make of Carroll leaving him in last week, like deep into the fourth quarter, down like 40-7? to seven. My theory is, uh, I think like he he's trying to pad his stats, like make him for a potential MVP. I don't think he's getting MVP, but I mean that, that was like what else makes sense there? Like this Carroll's just like delusional. Doesn't, he should have been out of the game, right? Yeah, none of that game made sense. I was blown away. I think he had seven sacks in that game. He was just asking for trouble, leaving him in there. Well, I mean the sacks make sense because that line is just terrible. But I mean, but yeah, imagine that line without Wilson behind him. But I guess they kind of built it because they had Wilson, I suppose. I don't know. Give me your cheapie. Uh, cheap play, Mitch Trubisky. So it's not a pretty one, um, but it's kind of grown on me as we've progressed through the week. Cleveland's pass funnel defense has been one that we've been attacking all year. We've had a lot of great success doing it. Uh, the Browns have now moved into the top spot, owning the worst QB rating allowed to opposing quarterbacks at 102.7 this year. They've allowed the sixth most fantasy points and second most passing touchdowns this year. Trubisky has put up 21.3 and 16.9 fantasy points in his last two outings. He's coming around. Uh, I think they're giving the ball a bit more, trying to see what they have with him. Really like this game script for him. Seven-point home favorites. Won't be facing any negative um, game script for him. Can alternate Jordan Howard handoffs with plus EV throws to Kendall Wright over the middle all day. I just really like his ceiling here. Um, I think he has a bit of a higher ceiling than Drew Stanton, and I'd be willing to shell out that extra $200 on DK for him. Yeah, John Fox finally realized that, hey, you know what you can do in football is you can throw a forward pass. I mean, maybe we should let our prized quarterback do that and try that because, hey, uh, you know, Bears games earlier in the season sometimes look like Army-Navy games or so, something like that, just taking it back to the 1940s or so. Uh, Scott, you know, it's funny. You said Prescott's your stud, and, like, he's not really priced like a stud. Uh, you know, dollar for dollar, you prefer Prescott over Wilson? That, that's what I'm hearing over there. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, but you made a great point about Aaron Smith, so uh, 
I, I might flop, uh, flip those guys if uh, Smith is out. So you're dud. I mean, the internet's going to be very angry at you because it's my understanding that Twitter is telling me that this guy is even better than Tom Brady. Who, who is who is your dud? Uh, that would be Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, this one's easy, uh, sort of a cop out. Uh, he's played really well. He ranks second in passing yards uh, over the past three weeks since he took over as a, a starter. He's also one of PFF's top five graded passers over that stretch. Uh, still, he struggled to find the end zone. Uh, two to two touchdown interception ratio, uh, and the matchup couldn't be worse. Jacksonville ranks best in the league in both opposing pass rating and fantasy points per dropback. Uh, in opposing pass rating, that's also one of the ten best of the past decade. So, just a really difficult matchup, uh, and I will not be on him. Yeah, Garoppolo has been amazing. Like, you just can't close out deal, but you know, just red zone, something happens there. But like, you know, Robbie Gold certainly benefited a lot. Is this the week we stop playing Robbie Gold? I don't want to pick on Jacksonville. It, I, I mean, is this it? It was a good run. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I try not to give kicker analysis, but uh, <laughs> uh, I like him less than I the 100% exposure I had him last week. I don't want to give kicker analysis either, but like some sites kind of, they've kind of sort of force you to Ross. They won't accept the, uh, they, this is an invalid roster if you don't click on one, but uh, that's sort of where his price was raised too. And I just, I don't want to pick on Jacksonville. Uh, Tyler, I'm sure you have plenty of kicker takes to get to as the show progresses, but who is your dud? Who's basically been a dud the entire season? Yeah. No big shocker here. It's Matt Ryan. He fading quarterbacks against the saints. I think that's been a pretty plus EV move for most of the year. Bad news for Matt Ryan. Um, he's facing a the, the healthy secondary of the Saints. Uh, they've just been completely playing lights out this season. Two weeks ago, this Saints defense held Ryan to just 9.8 fantasy points. He threw for 220 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. He's got a really tough matchup here on the outside against Marshawn Lattimore, who's our number four graded cornerback this year. He's expected to shadow Julio in this matchup. In their previous uh, week – 13 matchup he held or week 14 matchup he held Julio to three catches 73 yards on five targets Lattimore is allowing the second lowest passer rating of all cornerbacks this season at just 37.5 when targeted this defense as a whole is allowing the seventh lowest passer rating on the year they're allowing the 10th fewest fantasy points to the quarterback position there's just a, a really tough case to be made for Ryan. It's much easier just to argue against him. I'd much rather pay $100 more for Philip Rivers or $100 less for Matthew Stafford easily. And I think uh, both guys could easily outplay Ryan here. What do you make of the Falcons? Like, you know, it's funny, this Falcons-Saints game, the Breeze and Ryan. Breeze, not so much his fault, but like, you know, both these quarterbacks, you'd be so much more profitable if you just X these two guys out at the start of every single week this season. You'd be perfectly fine and way ahead of the game. Uh, because at no point did you ever say, oh, I wish I rostered one of those guys. I don't think they even had one of those nut games. Maybe Breeze did once. I'm not really sure. But uh, yeah. why Why are the Falcons uh, – is it because just the OC, did they overachieve last year? Is it a multiple uh, – multitude of reasons? But why are they just not as good this year? Well, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, they saw, they saw Matt Ryan throwing at a historic um, touchdown rate. I think it was 7.3% on his throws last season. Incredible. Um, his career average, I think, is like 3.4. So he doubled it. Um, way way out of his league he saw his best plays with Kyle Shanahan uh, I know some people I uh, don't take much credence in that but uh, I'm a huge believer in the, the Kyle Shanahan system like just see what he's doing with Jimmy G um, I, th I think well you're not uh, playing Jimmy G this week either right no no and unfortunately yes. the run of Marquise Goodwin has come to an end too which makes me super sad because I've been pl plugging him away week after week um, but yeah like you said uh, Steve Sarkeesian just hasn't um, lived up to the billing
for some alpha Marquise Goodwin. Let's talk about running backs. And we're going to go back to that uh, Atlanta New Orleans game. And uh, Tyler, I've, you know, you're stud. I, I basically waved my head and said no and no and no, because I look, I'm all about volume and opportunity talents. Like not, not the most important thing, but this guy just keeps defying me every single week. And I'm probably not going to roster him again. And it's probably going to annoy me because he's going to go nuts once again. Uh, you tell me why I should roster a stud running back. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's week 16, and I'm pretty sure Scott's mentioned Kareem Hunt in probably 14 of the 16 weeks here. But uh, <laughs> I beat him to the I beat him to the page this time to call dibs. Uh, he's just been absolutely thriving ever since Andy Reid gave up play calling responsibility. Over the last two weeks, Hunt has seen over 66.7% of the running back snaps and 88% of the running back touches. That's some absurd volume right there. He's seen a whopping 59 touches during that two-game span. Should continue to see heavy usage here. The Chiefs are massive. 10.5-point home favorites against the visiting Dolphins in Arrowhead. Miami just gave up a 25.6-point outing to LaShawn McCoy last week. We also saw the New England backs combined for 38.1 fantasy points the week prior. If we see um, Hunt get 88% of the running back touches, uh, that 38.1 or 25.6 ceiling is something well within his range of outcomes, given what we've seen the last two weeks. Uh, I think it's just a safe lock here for both cash and tournaments. Not much to worry about. Um, When Andy Reid was calling the shots, we always had to worry about Lucy pulling the football out right before the Charlie Brown kick. We saw time and time again where he'd get like 10 or 11 carries and then just throw in Charkandrick West. Thankfully, Matt Nagy knows how to utilize his best player and to just feed him the rock. It's funny you mentioned Andy Reid and kick. Did you ever see the famous clip of him like in the punt pass and kick competition? He's like, ele- oh, he's allegedly like 11 years old, but he's like six foot seven. It's like, wait a second, this guy, that, that something's going on and there's shenanigans going down. It's one of my favorite clips ever on the YouTube. It's worth checking out. Maybe I'll tweet it out later. But uh, so my setup, uh, I was actually trying to set up Scott, and I guess it worked for uh, for, for Hunt as well because uh, Alvin Kamara, Scott, I, I I just keep saying no. He's not, I mean, look, you're asking full price. You're asking, you're asking maximum price for not maximum volume. Uh, so I don't want it, but he's amazing. And every single week he has a splash play and I'm wrong every single week. And I'll probably be wrong again. Right. So you said volume is, is most important to you. Um, yes. Uh, just to sell you a little bit more on Hunt, who I like as well. Uh, since Andy Reid has relieved himself of play calling duties, Hunt is averaging 19.8 expected fantasy points per game that's fourth most among running backs but prior to that he averages 13.7 so uh volumes uh been there for hunt in recent weeks he's a guy i went back and forth on between him and alvin kamara who i did write up uh but uh tyler made it easy on me so i'm with you uh i'm a i'm a volume guy over opportunity but kamara is the most efficient running back on a per touch basis on a per snap basis in the history of fantasy football, uh, leading all running backs in fantasy points per touch fantasy points per snap. This has also historically always been a very efficient role. The Sean Payton stat back role. Uh, if you look back over the past decade in terms of top 20 running backs over the past 10 years in fantasy points per touch, fantasy points per snap. You see a lot of Darren Sproles, Pierre Thomas in that top 20. Kamara is a guy I've gotten wrong many weeks, choosing instead to go with Mark Ingram. That worked out well last week, but this week I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm going to play Alvin Kamara in a dream matchup. He leads all running backs in receiving fantasy points and would rank 23rd among all wide receivers. Atlanta is allowing the third most 
receiving fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. He allowed the most last season, the smartest coach in the history of football, Bill Belichick. How did he beat them in the Super Bowl with James White as a receiver? Kamara also ranks fifth among running backs in routes run from the slot, while Atlanta is allowing the third most fantasy points per game to slot receivers for the second straight season. The best and most efficient running back in the league now gets the perfect matchup. Uh, let's do it. On the turf as well. You mentioned all those stats, and, like, he's been amazing. There's other, I mean, like, in the eye test as well, I know, like, the eye test is not a PFF thing necessarily, but, like, he certainly passes that too. And um, how sustainable is it, basically? Like, is if, if he sticks around, you know, the next three, four, five years, assuming he dodges injury and all that, uh, is he going to be this guy? Like, you, I mean, obviously all that matters is it for one week. And like you said, the matchup is great, and he's probably going to get, I don't know, 17 touches or so. He's probably he's not going to get like the 28 that maybe a guy like Gurley gets, but you still think he's worth paying for, basically. Uh, it's not sustainable. He's putting up numbers never before seen in the history of football, missed tackles forced per touch. Uh, the statistics I referenced earlier, definitely all those are due for regression, but that doesn't mean – uh, he's still not a top three play this week. Let's get a couple takes on the other big boys though, while we're here. What about Gurley? How do you feel about Todd Gurley this week versus Tennessee? Um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely on it. I mean, the the dude not only leads all running backs and fantasy points per game, but he's on pace for the 19th most all time. Uh, he totaled 45 fantasy points last week. Um, I, just about near that the week before against two de- defenses ranking in the top five uh, in fantasy points allowed per game to opposing running backs. Uh, This week, the matchup's a little softer. uh, They're giving up the fifth most receiving fantasy points per game. We know Gurley is an excellent receiver this season. Uh, There's really a lot of expensive running backs to like, but but Gurley, Kamara, Hunt are probably the three at the top of my list. Yeah, uh, Tyler, what are your thoughts as far as Gurley? And then also, I want to get – he's not in the list, but I'm curious what you all think of Zeke coming back this week. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's not enough good things to say about Gurley. The do-it-all back just has such a great um, potential any any given week. Um, the Titans have been pretty good against the run, but they've allowed the sixth most receptions to opposing backs. Gurley can definitely beat them that way. Um, yeah. As far I, as Elliott? As far as Zeke, I mean... <laughs> I'm not worried. Are you worried? Yeah. Like, I, he's been, it's not like he's injured. He was, he's been, unless he's been working out, supposedly he's ripped once again. Like there was some of those like side sh- sh- pictures of, you know, at, at Ohio State with the abs and at the you know, <laughs> Dallas with the whatever, like who yeah. am I to say? But uh, look, I, I think he's going to absolutely smash. And like, he seems underpriced because of, like some concerns. And I don't imagine like, he's just going to, they're going to unleash him. Dallas still has what a 10% chance according to the stats, basically to make the playoffs. They're going to do all they can. And, I'm perfectly fine at AK. I'm, I'm not hesitant at all. Yeah, I agree. He was a running machine for the Cowboys prior to suspension. In his previous six game, he averaged 26.3 carries per game, 28 touches during that span, 25.9 DraftKings points. Guy's a stud. Um, the thing about Zeke is I'm kind of expecting him to have like top three running back ownership percentage this week. It's going to be his debut. A lot of Cowboys fans out there, uh, even with this match against the Seahawks. I mean, Seattle did just get worked over by Gurley. Four total touchdowns. Um, but we're getting a fresh Zeke where, like you said, like he's coming into the league fresh at a time when most teams are limping to the finish line. Like he has a chance to go completely off this week. Scott, give me your thoughts on Zeke as well. And then uh, kind of bleed into your value play. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Seattle is dealing with a lot of injuries. They've given up all those touchdowns and also 400 rushing yards over the past two weeks. 
Uh, fresh legs is something that really means a lot to me this late in the season. I think it's a legitimate factor. Um, that said, I don't know that I like him more than Melvin Gordon. If Austin Eckler is out, Leonard Fournette is also intriguing against the single best matchup for any running back three years running. Um, all that being said, my value in a week where it's really difficult to find value at the running back position and a lot of high price names to like, um, I got to go with Dion Lewis. So uh, like Kamara, he's more of a, an efficiency guy this season than volume. He's our fourth highest graded running back this year. He ranks third best in PFF elusive rating, which factors in yards after contact, missed tackles uh, on a per uh, touch basis. He's also bring, uh, been our most difficult runner to bring down on first contact. While efficiency has been good all season, uh, it should definitely be good again this week. Buffalo's allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs, the most rushing fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. And volume should improve with Rex Burkhead out, but it's not a guarantee that Mike Gillisley doesn't come in and vulture goal line work. Uh, so really, uh, I'm going to monitor on Sunday. If Gillisley's still inactive, that's going to mark a massive swing in ownership to Deion Lewis for me. I'd have him as like a fringe RB1. But if Gillisley's active, and I think he is, uh, Deion Lewis is more of like a mid to high range RB2, but still a value. Is Gillisley going to play the role of Tommy Bohannon this week? Is that what's going to go down? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Or maybe Tommy Bohannon's been playing the Mike Gillisley role. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he's playing against his former team. I feel like I'm contractually obligated to mention that too, I suppose. I right, know. right, right. I mean, last time he didn't even dress when he played against his former, well, he didn't play. He was, I guess he was in the building, I suppose. Oh, man. Uh, you know, the Patriots, the running backs, I just hate trying to figure him out. James White, as of, you know, Thursday, again, he's currently questionable. I don't know. I would assume he's going to give it a go. We shall see. Stay tuned on that. And uh, that'll all kind of like speak to, you know, clarity as far as actives and inactives. But yeah, I, I do agree. I'd, I'd feel much better if Gillisley was out. Uh, I would not be surprised. Gillisley, that, I mean, that's the one thing he supposedly could do. But those three one-yard touchdowns basically week, week, week one. And he was crowned. I think they fit him for his Hall of Fame jersey then, but uh, they've since rescinded it. Um, yeah, if, if you have a take there, uh, you know, Tyler, by all means, jump in on that and talk about your value play. And I guess your value play on the list situation seems to have kind of changed. Uh, yeah, so the only thing I have about Mike Gillisley is I was doing a ton of victory laps after week one and <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been doing so many since. Um, but my value play this week is Devonta Freeman. I think he was just the complete nuts play on the primetime and the Monday through Saturday slate that started last week. I played a ton of volume there just because I wanted to play a lot of Freeman and I wanted to play a ton of Crabtree. Both guys went off. I was very happy with that. Um, he went off for 33.4 points last week and his Monday night performance was not factored into pricing this week. Makes him a tremendous value if, if Tevin Coleman were to miss this week's game. Had a concussion, missed last week. Um, he was limited participant on Wednesday for practice. I haven't checked Thursday's report yet. He's cleared concussion. Pro yeah, he cleared clear. the concussion protocol. Okay, so yeah, that kind of nixes him here. Uh, it's just a really, really good week to pay up at running back. <laughs> I don't even know if I'd be comfortable paying for one of the New England guys as a dart throw. Um, yeah, it kind of just nixes Freeman here. There are very few safe, cheap plays this week. It's just really tough to try to find value that you can be confident in. Yeah, there's definitely an opportunity cost when it comes to running back this week. And Scott, you know, with Lewis, we think he's going to catch like four or five or six balls, which will be like that on a site like DK, where you get the full point PPR, obviously. Just to backtrack for one second, you mentioned Melvin Gordon. He's an interesting play as well against the Jets. And you're talking about the potential of Eckler being out. Like they were, I heard people saying he's out for the season. And then all of a sudden they're saying he's 
practicing limited, so he might stick around. Uh, wouldn't Oliver basically just sort of step into his role or not so much? Uh, so, so just with regard to Lewis, I'm not even sure that he's going to get a, an uptick in targets. I could see James White assuming uh, Burkhead, the, like all of Burkhead's typical receiving workload. Uh, with Gordon, maybe. Um, but Eckler's been the guy who's been flashing and he's been hyper efficient. Uh, so I could see, uh, you know, Gordon just really coming in, playing a full bell cow workload, but, uh, his, his workload has been fantastic in recent weeks. Anyway, uh, he ranks fourth among running backs and expected fantasy points per game over the past four weeks. Um, and Eckler has been averaging 5.6 expected fantasy points per game. So sure. Uh, a different backup will come in and, and get a percentage of that, but it, it's just a, a matter of how much. Um, and given how well Eckler's performed, uh, I, Gordon's definitely uh, due for some more work, and it's a great matchup uh, with good game script against Bryce Petty and the Jets. We talk about we're going to talk about our duds in just a second, but you know all these uh, high-priced running backs we like. Is there any like cheapies that are worth looking at? Anything to kind of keep our eyes on? Like, I don't want to say it. I don't like, I mean, CJ Anderson, he's not even cheap, actually. He's getting a ton of volume, but I'm just kind of looking for some names trying to a way to be different. Kenyon Drake is 7.1K now on DK. Uh, Williams is practicing, but I can't imagine he eats, he eats in too much as far as just because Drake's just been so good. But uh, where was the spot I was looking at? You know, if like Kenyon Williams doesn't play, can we play like a guy like Elijah Elijah Penny? Like, you know, Tyler, I'm looking for some cheap running backs. And it's weird. You think by week 16, this is kind of where you scrounge somebody off the waiver wire in your season-long league and you, you bink it with some guy you never even heard of. Uh, but there's really nobody out there at this point. No, it's a really, really tough week. I'm going to be spending up at running back, I think, like almost across the board here. Uh, I could make a case for Duke Johnson good matchup here against the Browns where they'll be trailing and they have some suspect linebackers and pass coverage. I uh, kind of like the idea of, um, uh, I'll draw a blank here. Um, Joe Mixon's a guy that I've heard. Joe Mixon. Thank about. you. Exactly. What I was talking about. Look at oh, that. Not Geo. Don't say Geo. And all I kept saying was Geo. <laughs> Geo. Okay. Rex Burkett. Or I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon uh, coming off two weeks. I think now off concussion should have fresh legs again, something that we were just prioritizing. Uh, kind of like the matchup here where he'll be a negative game script. Um, saw a ton of work prior to his injury, which could make an interesting play. 5,100 on DK. Um, but again, I'm not really eager to play any of these cheap running backs. Yeah, Scott, doesn't sound like you like anybody either as far as some cheap running backs. Tell me somebody, who's your dud? Who you're definitely not playing? Uh, yeah, value is just really hard to find. My dud this week, uh, I'm going to go with Jamal Williams. Uh, so he dominated while Aaron Rodgers was last. Last on IR, we saw just 10 touches uh, last week with Rodgers back under center. Rodgers, we know, is not playing this week. Still, he played on 80% of the team snaps from weeks 11 through 14, and then that number fell to just 61% last week, due in part to Aaron Jones making his return. Uh, the matchup's also really tough to get excited about. Minnesota's allowing the fewest fantasy points per game to opposing running backs this season. All right, should say, if you guys are not PFF members, you're doing DFS wrong. Uh, all sorts of things on the site. P uh, the player grades, uh, interactive matchups, rankings, articles. Uh, you know, Tyler, you were saying before the show, you, want, you wanted to touch on, you were talking about the shadow coverage chart. Tell the people what that is. Yeah, so it's a really great tool that I don't think a lot of people know about. Uh, Profootballfocus.com slash shadow dash coverage dash matrix just allows you a great over oversight of which teams utilize shadow coverage and uh, how they fared against those receivers. Um, we can see right at the top, 
If you're looking at it, Patrick Peterson for the Arizona Cardinals, just been shutting down cornerbacks all year. Um, it allows you to see some other guys that you aren't exactly sure about. Like, okay, Morris Claiborne, he's a guy that came, came out of nowhere this season to me, has performed quite well in shadow coverage as well. Um, has given us some touchdowns as of late, but uh, I think there's just a lot of different ways that you can utilize this to your advantage. Um, mostly trying to find out which studs to fade. Uh, I think that's the biggest way to implement this into your research. You know, this guy's not a stud, but I, I missed uh, your fade. Uh, you want to talk about Samaje Piran, and I believe uh, I kind of, I'm going to pull the note up now. I feel like you got dinged today in practice, but tell me why you don't want to play him anyway, even if he's healthy. Uh, so the thing with Piran was his usage was a bit assumed heading into last week, and then that we kind of assumed that with all the injuries that the running backs have endured for Washington, that he'd be walking into 90% of the touches. And that really didn't happen. Capri Bibbs sapped that value away from Perrine last week. He played on 35% of the snaps, seeing 36% of the running back touches as the pass catching back. We saw that big screen play that went for a touchdown. And it just really made Perrine um, more of a Jordan Howard-esque play where uh, if he's not getting a touchdown, he's just not really going to do much for you. Um, his lack of receiving upside just takes him off the board. Should be a really tough matchup here against the Broncos as well. They're number two in run DVOA, and they've allowed the third fewest fantasy points to opposing running backs this year. P. Ryan uh, left practice today with the groin, so uh, keep your eye on that. The groin injury. That's a funny <laughs> sentence. <laughs> uh, but all right, let's talk about receivers. Uh, you know, Scott, you kind of, instead of giving like a, a stud, you gave like two guys that are kind of sort of the mid-tier uh, as far as value and as far as studs. Fire one of yours out, or fire them both out. Yeah, so uh, on FanDuel, uh, I expect to have heavy exposure to Robert Woods and Jarvis Landry, uh, who are both way too cheap, priced as mid-range or low-end wide receiver twos. Uh, Robert Woods has scored at least 16 fantasy points and averaged 23.2 fantasy points per game over his last four games. Uh, he's clearly that team's wide receiver one uh, when he is active, and uh, the matchup couldn't be better considering Tennessee ranks worst in fantasy points per game over expectation to opposing wide receiver ones. Uh, Jarvis Landry gets a Kansas City defense allowing the fifth most fantasy points per game to slot wide receivers. Uh, won't see a lot of Marcus Peters. Uh, he ranks fourth among all wide receivers in expected fantasy points per game. He's priced as <clears throat> a mid-range wide receiver to two on Fandle. He is a top five wide receiver in terms of volume. Um, he he's not, no longer just a cash game play. He has legitimate tournament upside, even on Fandle. Uh, he leads all wide receivers uh, in targets inside the 10-yard line. He ranks top 12 in expected touchdowns this season. Uh, so I like those guys quite a bit, though both are better plays on FanDuel than DraftKings. Why did you dodge the, uh, dodge the, uh, the stud conversation as far as, like, you know, a guy like Michael Thomas, a guy like Keenan Allen? Did they just, like, not fit your build over there in FanDuel? Because they both feel like really good plays this week. It's so, just... it's, yeah, it's two, it's two things. Um, one is just, like, really tough to find, uh, like, a high-priced – wide receivers to like. I think my top guy is DeAndre Hopkins. My number two guy is Adam Thielen. I like Keenan Allen, but like nothing about the matchup stands out over the last five weeks. No team has allowed fewer fantasy points to slot wide receivers than the Jets. Um, also game script kind of works against him. Uh, plus I just love all these high priced running backs. So it looks like on the far majority of my lineups, I'm paying up at running back and down at wide receiver. 
That's interesting. I, I didn't realize uh, Keenan Allen. I mean, you think a couple extra, uh, you know, throws will come his way with Hunter Henry being out, or that's just not enough to sway you? It could be. And honestly, Buster Screen should be no match for Keenan Allen. It's just a, an interesting trend I, I noticed in the data. Uh, probably not something I'm buying too much into, but like I said, almost all of my lineups are high-priced running backs, cheaper wide receivers. And Hopkins, like money's not a thing. Hopkins is your favorite receiver this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably not even playing uh, uh, the Monday slate, though, so I'm not sure it matters. Yeah, I'm scrolling down, and I'm, for some reason, I'm just drawing a blank. I'm like, who do they play on Monday? <laughs> I forget what – yeah, I, I don't think it's a good matchup off the top of my head, but, like, he's going to get, like, 15 balls thrown his way. He probably won't be efficient, but he's still, like, I don't know, maybe the best receiver, or second best receiver. It's yeah, the, the, the play the Steelers, I think, and it, a lot's going to hinge on Joe Hayden's availability. But still, I mean, the guy just came off of uh, – uh, a wide receiver one week against Jacksonville, which is mm-hmm. fairly unheard of. The dude's matchup proof, game script proof. He's uh, with Antonio Brown out. He's just, to me, clearly the top wide receiver play of the week, though. Uh, that uh, I think expert consensus has Keenan Allen number one this week. Yeah, Tyler, t- chime in and higher. You're going to give your stud in a second. And like, you didn't go all the way up either as far as the pay scale. But what are your thoughts? I mean, we ignore Julio Jones. I guess you could throw him in a conversation as well. Uh, of course, you know, Thomas is just the epitome of just. He's super, super solid every single week. Plenty, plenty of targets, great floor. Uh, he's getting, he's finally getting touchdowns now. He could have had three last week. He only ended up with one just because of wonky things. Uh, he actually, I believe it's nine red zone targets in the last three games. Uh, how do we feel about the, the top tier wide receivers? Uh, I agree with Scott where I'm just going to be paying up for top running backs instead. Uh, but I, you can easily make a case for Michael Thomas. He played the Falcons just two weeks ago and they're rematching here, garnering 14 targets. He finished with a 10, 117, and one stat line. That was good for over 30 DraftKings points. He's seen less than eight targets just once this season. That was back in week six. Should be locked in for volume again. This is the highest projected scoring game on the slate. Atlanta is, our opposing teams are passing on Atlanta at the sixth highest rate in the league at 60.3%. There's just a lot heading into his, uh, in his favor this week. Um, but yeah. it's just price. It's just hard to justify it. Yeah, so basically your, your thought process is, as of right now, you're just doubling down on elite running backs, and you only have so much funds to delegate out for uh, receivers, so you're saving some salary there. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's a common line of thinking this week, so it could be a bit contrarian, just starting going one, two, three high-priced wide receivers and building from there. I think you could build a ri- very contrarian lineup that way, just starting off some- with something simple like that. Talk about your stud. My stud this week is none other than Douglas Baldwin. Um Love this guy. Love the spot for him here. Orlando Skandrick for the Cowboys will likely be out another week. Just opens up a terrific matchup for Baldwin here against Xavier Woods. He's a sixth-round rookie. That's a converted safety. Good luck, Cowboys. I mean, I don't know how you're going to try to defend Doug Baldwin here with this. Um, The Cowboys have allowed the sixth most receptions, the most receiving touchdowns. Um, They're just allowing a ton of work to opposing wideouts this year. And Baldwin's price on both sites makes him a very strong cash and GPP play. I love him a lot on FanDuel. I think he's going to be locked into a high number of my lineups. Uh, He's been in a slump lately, but I think the matchup here in the slot where it should just be one where he and Russell Wilson exploit it time and time again. It's one of your, uh, it sounds like one of your correlation plays. You're going to run some uh, Russ and uh, Baldwin lineups this week. Yeah. Bring it back with maybe some Zeke or something. Um, Yeah. I love that. Both, both those teams are fighting for a playoff spot. They're both eight and six. Like, it's going to be uh, a hard-fought game. 
You think we're the only two people that are thinking, let's start our teams with those three guys. Nobody else has yeah. that idea, right? I'm sure. No, original. Yep. <laughs> is it possible? Like, I, I meant to do this before the show, and I meant to check this out as far as like, would, they're the late game. And I wonder like if Seattle and Dallas, you know, if whoever loses is automatically out, but whoever wins still is like, you know, has to like, needs a lot of help. They might know before the game, possibly. I'm not really sure if they're officially eliminated. Do you guys yeah, know not, on this? I just know that the Lions are also eight and six, and I think they're the one o'clock game. Easy matchup for them against the Bengals, so they should win. Um, I think both teams will prepare uh, with that in mind that they'll have to win. They need Atlanta to lose too. I know that. So at some point, if not this week, some points, and they're probably well, we'll see. They most likely it's the NFL; anything can happen. But most most likely, we think New Orleans is going to lose. All right, so give me your value play because I, I'm landing on this guy too, and it's not comfortable because I'm getting, I'm getting flashbacks to week one, and I'm still not over it, man. But uh, you, you tell me about your, about your cheapie this week, your, your value play as far as receivers. All right, the cheap guy I'm going with this week is Kendall Wright, just $3,800 on DraftKings this week, but he's been playing lights out lately. He has 24 targets over his last two outings, putting up fantasy totals of 23.7 and 15.1 points. Great matchup here in the slot against the Browns. They rank dead last in fantasy points per target and ninth worst in fantasy points per game to opposing slot receivers. That's for Scott Barrett's actual opportunity report. Been using that a lot lately, so just want to give him some a shout out there he's right uh, here there he is <laughs> uh, and j- i just love his price point like i mean it allows for a ton of flexibility if we want to pay up for these stud running backs like i want to hammer in two running backs and probably a third in the flex i'm gonna need to find a way to make that happen kendall wright allows that to happen uh scott is this one of those deals where he beat you like to the uh the google uh, spreadsheet and, like this is your guy as well and you had to like settle on a second person <laughs> right yeah he's he's my top uh value play of the week so did you play him in week one? Is that a curiosity? You, you remember week one, he was, it, was, it was a tight cap and he was super popular. And I think he didn't do anything until like maybe late in the fourth quarter when an injury happened, if I'm getting uh, my memory recalls. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I went all in, but I definitely had a lot of Kendall Wright. And I, I have some of the same concerns that, that you have right now. Another guy I want to mention is Roger Lewis. Um, he actually has seen better volume than Kendall Wright in recent weeks. Uh, 29.8 expected fantasy points over the past two weeks, fifth most among wide receivers. Uh, but he's going to run 50% of his routes to get Patrick Robinson. So that kind of takes him out of contention for me. Also, Kenny Galladay is a guy drawing some buzz with TJ Jones out. Um, though I like Kendall Wright significantly more than both. <clears throat> Let's talk about this. First of all, uh, does, BF, does PFF think that uh, Blake Bortles is good now? Is this a mirage? Was he never as terrible as, he, as we, uh, we thought he was? Uh, what's the deal with Bortles? Obviously, that defense helps him. Obviously, the running game helps him. Where, I mean, you know, is he an okay quarterback? Well, where is he at? Um, he's still, to me, probably one of the five worst quarterbacks <laughs> in the league. He does get a lot of uh, help from a strong running game, from an excellent defense. And, uh, you know, uh, really bad quarterbacks can have a really good three week stretch, but you look, um, Week 12, he had 160 passing yards, no passing touchdowns, one interception, uh, 154 yards, one touchdown the week before that. Uh, I think he is who we think he is. Um, (laughs) But uh, that doesn't mean he's not still a strong DFS play um, this week. Don't let him off the hook. Yeah, he's not someone I'll be uh, looking into. I I think it's more of a Leonard Fournette game, but uh, – wouldn't wouldn't get mad at anyone if he played him and I do like uh going back to the well on D.D. Westbrook this week I think uh, he'll draw a low ownership 
let's have that conversation because you know we talk about ownership you mentioned ownership and uh, recency bias and all that and you know people love westbrook last week i played him a ton on Fanduel, not that much on dk but a lot of people love him everywhere uh and right. he just you know the output wasn't there and you know uh cole went absolutely nuts uh, Jaden mickens just got out of his car and went nuts with a couple of touchdowns as well too and you know, uh, the injury to Lee, Lee's out. Uh, Hearns presumably is not going to play either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, how do we size this up? You know, if you're going to – I personally, I want to throw on San Fran before I run on San Fran. I know you mentioned it's a Fournette game, but I prefer the passing game here. Maybe I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to forgive. I'm willing, I'm willing to go back to Westbrook this week. So, so what you're saying, um, for, for sure, I mean, it, it's an exploitable matchup in either case. Uh, just the Jaguars are the most run heavy team in the NFL. So they're probably going to go run heavy against the team that ranks worst in uh, fantasy points per game over expectation to opposing running backs and have been for three consecutive seasons. But like you said, the matchup's good through the air as well. San Francisco's giving up the ninth most fantasy points per game, the third most fantasy points per target to outside wide receivers. Uh, that's where Westbrook runs like 85% of his routes. Uh, like you said, Lee is out of the lineup. His his volume last week made no sense, and I'm just chalking it up to variance because I don't want to play Jaden Mickens. I, I don't want to play no. Keelan Cole. Um, but before that, he was seeing like a mid-range wide receiver two workload, 13.6 expected fantasy points per game. This is a guy who won the uh, Belichnikov Award last year. He runs uh, a ridiculous 40-yard dash time at his pro day. Um so, uh, yeah, I, I like him quite a bit. Uh, again, though, the, the concern is, is game script and, and whether or not they'll need to pass. Tyler, what's your take there as far as the Jacks receivers? I uh, just love D.D. Westbrook. Uh, Scott summed it up perfectly there. But, um, at, like, prior to last week, he was averaging 8.3 targets. He was outproducing Marquise Lee in almost every statistical category. He has been, uh, by default, their number one wide receiver. Um, if Alan Hearns ankle keeps him out again, he should be that number one wide receiver again. Just love this matchup here, especially against uh, the particular cornerback he should run the majority of his routes against. That's Dante Johnson. He's our third worst graded cornerback this year. He's allowing a 116.9 passer rating. That's the second highest in the league. Uh, I'm just hoping a lot of people get burned by Didi. He was over 27% owned in the Millie Maker last week. I hope a lot of people are just really burned by him and don't go back to him this week because um, he's a great play if if they throw I was burned by several receivers last week not not as much I mean Didi for sure in some places but like Josh Gordon can we play Josh Gordon this week I mean against the Bears any any takers on Josh Gordon like you could certainly play him How, yeah. what, what's our level of interest here Tyler I, uh, yeah, uh, Scott has some great numbers on him, but uh, the Bears have been completely exploitable against the right side where Josh Gordon runs the plurality of his routes. I uh, just love the uh, the game script here where they should be seven-point dogs in this one. They're going to have to throw. Um, I, I think it's a good bounce-back week for Gordon where nobody's talking about him. Yeah, I think he's going to be low. Well, the lowest only he's been probably the entire season. Give me those stats there, Scott. Uh, so last week he ran 68% of his routes from Deshaun Kaiser's right. That's uh, he's their right wide receiver. Uh, Chicago's allowing the most fantasy points per game to right wide receivers this season. Also the highest percentage of uh, Fuller's a lot more beatable than Prince of Mukamara. So that makes sense. He's also averaging 15.7 expected fantasy points per game over the last three weeks. That would rank eighth most among all wide receivers if over a full season. One more guy I'm willing to forgive. I think I'm willing to forgive. And like, you know, Bird is the word that, you know, he just kind of took over there in Carolina. But 
Funches, you know, it's one of the more tilting plays where he didn't catch a touchdown that was right in his hands and he got, he got hurt at the same time. He did come back later in the game, but uh, he was another guy that just absolutely flat out tanked for me, Scott. Can you, can you give me some encouraging words? Because Tampa, you know, walking wounded there, you could definitely pass on it. We didn't mention Cam during quarterback, so certainly I think he's a play as well, if not for the arm, the legs as well, the combination platter. And, but, you know, we'll talk about tendons in a second too, but Olsen certainly was resurrected last week as well. Uh, tell me I can play Funches. You can play Funches. Uh, I'm still tilting <laughs> over Bird, who smashed on uh, three targets, catching like two five-yard touchdowns. I All week I talked about him being a terrible play. Uh, three targets. Uh, st- still feel good about the process there. But, yeah, uh, Funches <laughs> disappointed for sure last week. Uh, one catch for 19 yards. Uh, but prior to last week, he saw six targets in 12 consecutive weeks. Uh, the matchup's good as well. He runs 68% of his routes from the left. Tampa Bay is allowing the third most fantasy points per game to left wide receivers. Yes, Olsen's back. Yes, yes Olsen, Olsen uh, is also in a good matchup, uh, is going to steal some work. But no, I, I still have Funchess as a high-end wide receiver too this week in a dream matchup. I'm going to fess up to what a donkey I am. Well, I mean, like, well, you think it was a bad play from the start, but I was considering just because last week the, the cap was really, really tight. And uh, I was considering playing uh, Bird uh, in a lot, and you know, not a lot of spots, but plenty of spots. But then I saw, well, Ted Ginn's out. Uh, oh, <laughs> Willie Steed is uh, minimum salary. Uh, swap out Bird because Bird's like five six, five. What is he? Five nine, uh, like 170 pounds or so. I'm like this guy's not going to like catch, you know, touchdowns. <laughs> and he got to last week, and yeah, you know, we got his, he got his butt cheek in, and like it was reviewed. He was all good to go, but. All right. Oh, one more. One more I, I have uh, because I've heard pe- plenty of people talk about this dude and, you know, never once. Uh, it's been a long time, at least a year now, where somebody like said, hey, I, I'm so bummed I didn't play this guy because he killed me not playing him or swapping him out. But the name brand is there. The matchup is fine. The target should be a plenty. Uh, Tyler, uh, talk about Mike Evans. Is he playable? Uh, so he had a really big bounce back game last week. Uh, I think he is playable this week in a week where he's not priced up with the rest of the studs. You kind of just overlook him, to be honest. Um, I do like this matchup here for him. Should have a pretty high ceiling. Uh, I don't know. We saw last week Jameis Winston got things turned around. This offense is a little bit moving more in the positive direction. Um, I, I understand getting some shares for him this week. But, uh, again, I, he's – He's not one of my like top. There's like a lot of guys to play in that price range, and he's he doesn't like um, he doesn't outrank some of them for me. There's a lot of that running game is in shambles as of right now. Who knows what's going on? Like probably Martin's not going to ever run again for them. Uh, you know, we talked with the tight end, of course, is dinged. You know, out, they, they lost. Uh, I'm forgetting the name for some reason. What's the tight end? It's not there. But uh, Evan, OJ uh, Howard. Yeah, Howard's out. We'll talk about Brayton in a second when we, when we uh, talk about tight ends. Uh, Djax, Deshaun Jackson, probably not going to play as well. So. It's a weird thing. Like, D. Jackson stretch the field, so maybe it hurts a guy like Evans. Maybe the, the defense, you know, focuses more on Evans, but maybe he also gets more targets. So, like, not all targets are created equal, and he, his targets might be poor. He's going to have a bad efficiency, but if he's getting 15 balls thrown his way, I guess he's worth a look. We have yet to talk about our duds. Uh, and, Scott, feel free to chime in on any of those guys we talked about there that you didn't get a, a chance to speak on, but give me your dud wide receiver. Yeah, I just wanted to add to Mike Evans that Carolina's given up the most fantasy points per game to wide receivers since week eight. He's going to be shadowed by James Bradbury, who's allowed the third most yards of any cornerback this season. Uh, he's another guy I like. Good call there. Uh, my dud, this one's fairly simple. It's Robbie Anderson. He's been targeted uh, by – so Bryce Petty has targeted Anderson on 29% of his career pass attempts. That's a really impressive number, but one – 
those targets are co coming from Bryce Petty, so you need to discount them. And two, you need to discount them again because he's going to be running the majority of his routes against our number one graded cornerback this season, Casey Hayward. Uh, since week six, opposing quarterbacks are averaging a passer rating of just 26.4 when targeting him. That's well below if the quarterback had just spiked the ball into the dirt. He ranks 17th in routes and coverage over this stretch, but 97th in receptions allowed. That's in spite shadowing Amari Cooper, Demarius Thomas, Des Bryant, Josh Gordon, Josh Doxson. Uh, want no part of Anderson this week. Tyler, you're done. Yeah, speaking of shadow coverage, the guy I want to fade is Darius Slay. Um, he draws some very tough outings against number one wide receivers. And AJ Green, AJ Green's offense has just been pretty lifeless after last week's debacle. Um, here's how Darius Slay has done against some opposing stud wideouts this year. Uh, against Odell Beckham, three targets. He went three thirty and zero. Julio, eight targets, four fifty zero. Michael Thomas, two targets, one four zero. Antonio Brown, four targets, one nine zero. Darius Slay has just eliminated top wideouts, and we're at the point in the year where we're seeing some teams give up. Marvin Lewis gave up on the team last week, and we saw them fall extremely flat to the Vikings. Uh, they just scored at will, and I'm expecting the Lions to hammer the Bengals here this week. Um, I don't think AJ Green does a lot. He saw just four targets last week. I'm expecting a similar disappointing outing here. Yeah, the Bengals just want to hit the simulate season button, right? They're done, and Marvin yeah. Lewis is done, and, you know, lame duck coach. I don't really want any part of it. I, I agree with you. But let's talk about tight ends. And for me, as far as tight end, my approach is, uh, you know, penthouse or outhouse. You spend all the way up or you spend all the way down. Uh, and so, Scott, you're arguing – Scott, you got Gronk. Tyler, you got Kelsey. Both amazing options. Uh, give, me the, give me the Gronk pitch. I know just in – our, in our spreadsheets, it just says he's Gronk, and I, I can't argue with that. You can also yeah, say he smashes. So, so you guys want us on here because you want the dank PFF stats, but you don't, you don't really need it for Gronk. It's just, he's Gronk. Uh, I actually like Travis Kelsey a little bit more. So this is kind of a case where uh, Tyler beat me to the punch, oh. uh, but I mean, uh, it's Gronk. He's the greatest tight end, uh, greatest fantasy tight end in all time of all time in terms of anything on a per game, per target, per snap, per route per whatever basis uh he's just a man and uh this is definitely a beatable matchup for him uh like i said i do like kelsey a little bit more but really there's only uh four tight ends in play for me on the main slate it's tyler's stud in value and it's my stud in value well tyler sell us on kelsey not the not like we need to be no no i mean he's just a complete lock this week playing against miami who's a team we've routinely targeted with opposing tight ends this season over the past few weeks we've seen gronk go for 582 and 2 charles clay went for 568 no and oj howard went for 352 and 1 all having great success against the dolphins over his last seven games kelsey's averaging 9.3 targets per game he scored 20 plus fantasy points in four of those seven and that's the ceiling that we're chasing here when we pay up for kelsey the Dolphins have allowed a league-leading 70.7% of red zone trips against them to successfully finish with a touchdown. That's huge for a player who uh, ranks seventh among all players in red zone targets. Uh, the Chiefs are implied for the fifth-highest total on the main slate. He basically checks all of the boxes of what we're looking for when we're looking for a tight end. And I think my biggest decision this week will be determining if I like him or Kareem Hunt more and how to roster them both accordingly. Yeah, there's negative correlation between those two, so you probably want to grab one of them. Mm -hmm. One's got a big game, the other one maybe not so much. So as far as the cheapies, two guys that step up because of injury, uh, Scott, you got Cambrate. Uh, Tyler, you have an old man Antonio Gates. 
Scott, you fire as far as break first. Uh, yes, there's really nothing that stands out in terms of the matchup, in terms of recent usage. He's also battling hip and knee injuries. That being said, he's probably my top tight end on the slate. Um, he ranked fourth among tight ends in fantasy points over the first eight weeks of the season. And he started, you know, surrendering uh, uh, snaps to Howard, also blocking a little bit more. Uh, but he's just far too price, uh, far too cheap given uh, – what kind of workload we should expect with OJ Howard out. Tyler, Antonio Gates. Yeah, he's priced the absolute minimum on both sites. Really opens up a lot in terms of roster construction. The Jets are tied for top 10 most red zone trips allowed to opposing offenses. Gives them a great opportunity for the um, Chargers to score. And they're tied for the third most touchdowns given up to opposing tight ends. A 10-yard touchdown like he had last week more than pays off cash game value for him. So the hyphens. We don't like the hyphens at tight end this week. Who don't you like, Scott? Uh, that's ASJ. Um, so it's just the toughest matchup possible. Chargers lead all defenses in fantasy points per game allowed over expectation. Gronk, Ertz, Kelsey combined for just 13.5 fantasy points per game. Only one other tight end scored over 12. Uh, he's hit 50 yards just once this season, hasn't scored since week seven. Not interested. Quickly, Tyler. RSJ is my guy. He played on 38% of the snaps finishing with a 2-11-0 stat line without Jermaine Gresham. I'm fading again. We're going to step aside. We're going to get out of here. Thanks for watching the, the Pro Football Focus show here on Roto Grinders. For those that want defense, Chicago, Washington, and the Chargers, that's it. He's Scott. He's Tyler. I'm Dean. Thanks for watching. We're out of here. Holla!